This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, not surprisingly, perhaps there has been a serious setback for the Republican-controlled Congress. The Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, yesterday made what might be described as ignominious history when he became the first Speaker to be ousted by a vote of the House. This is the first Speaker since, I think, 1910 to be ejected. He was ejected by a coalition of eight extreme Republicans and the Democrats. It was a proposal made by Representative Matt Gates, who's also a Republican from Florida. He is extreme right wing, and he triggered this motion. McCarthy is gone, and effectively the House has no speaker and can't do any serious business. We're joined from Washington now by Niall Stanish, Associate Editor of The Hill, a very respected Washington newspaper, and White House columnist for the Hill. Niall, I use the word surprising, but McCarthy's position was precarious from the beginning Mm. because of a deal he did that seemed rather crazy. Can you explain to us what the deal was and why they got rid of him? Yes, the deal was that as a concession to win the speakership in the first place, he allowed any one member of the House of Representatives to bring what is technically known as a motion to vacate before the House. A motion to vacate is a motion to boot the Speaker out, and you don't need to nominate any alternative. It's an up or down, yes or no vote on whether the current Speaker should continue. Mr. Gates, who you've already mentioned, brought forth that motion. He got seven Republicans allied with him. The maths in the House of Representatives is pretty tight, so those eight total Republicans plus the Democrats were enough to get rid of McCarthy. To your point, Eamon, briefly about how tentative or or precarious McCarthy's position always was, uh, he had become Speaker in January, and the deal that we just mentioned was necessary because it took him 15 rounds of voting 
to secure the majority needed to become Speaker. It took him that long because those hard-right members, the Matt Gateses of the world and others, were so skeptical of him. They don't see him, I think, as one of them. And so he had to make all sorts of uh, contortions and concessions to get their acquiescence in him becoming Speaker in the first place. Yeah, one vote enough. It was a crazy arrangement. Now, it does bring a number of very grave matters into play. The possibility of a government shutdown becomes more likely and aid for Ukraine is more imperiled, shall we say, mm-hmm. although already $6 billion in aid for Ukraine has been blocked by the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And there is, it seems, a growing dissent mm-hmm. about supporting Ukraine in the way that President Biden wants to. There is, yes. And while presidents have quite a lot of leeway in terms of actual wars in which America is directly involved and, you know, interventions elsewhere, the fact of the matter when it comes to Ukraine is Biden needs Congress to provide the money or to at least give permission for the money to be provided. And this is one of the major divisive issues at the current time. The six billion you're referring to, Eamon, was something that the Senate was willing to agree to and the House was not, the House having more of a hardline right-wing Republican um, membership. Even the $6 billion was way below what Biden had sought, which from memory I think was $24 billion. But the big picture here, which you have already mentioned in uh, the, the way you phrased the question, is the apparent weakening of American uh, public support for continued aid to Ukraine. Now, it hasn't, it's not like support has been vaporized or has vanished, but it has been uh, gradually ticking down for some time. It continues to do so, and it is uh, Republican voters who are most hostile or skeptical to the continuation of that aid. Now, the representatives have gone back to their constituencies Mm. and They are back in Washington, as I understand it, in a piece that you sent to me next Tuesday, Mm. and there will be a vote to endeavor to get a new speaker on next Wednesday. Mm. One of the candidates is Jim Jordan. Mm. Now, Jordan is an extreme hardline right-wing fanatic. I would describe him as that. You may choose more moderate language, and please do if it's appropriate, but this guy knows no limits. He still got elected. He's a Trump believer. He is also chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which has been engaged in an attempt to pass a motion for Joe Biden's impeachment for improper behavior of his son and himself. Jim Jordan is someone who I think is representative of one of the big trends that we have talked about on this podcast a number of times, Eamon, which is the shift in the Republican Party. Before Donald Trump ever came on the scene, politically speaking, Jim Jordan was seen as a fairly fringy kind of figure, very uh, belligerent in his rhetoric, but more to the point, just on the sort of... uh, Tea Party wing, as it then was, of the Republican Party. And so even among then establishment Republicans, there was a certain degree of 
eye rolling behind the scenes, I think, about about Jim Jordan and people like that, who were seen really as uh, agents of chaos, people who were more interested in sort of burning the institution down than in governing. Jim Jordan, of course, would dispute that characterization. The point is that when he first entered Congress, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but it's a while ago, the idea of him becoming even chairman of the House Judiciary Committee would have seemed fanciful. Now, as I speak to you on uh, Thursday, Washington time, he is one of two serious candidates to become Speaker of the House of Representatives and therefore third in line to the presidency. That process, whatever words or adjectives you want to attach to Jim Jordan, is indicative of the way the Republican Party has changed quite fundamentally in a relatively short space of time. Yes, and it does reflect very darkly, in a sense, does it not, Niall? I don't want to invite you to be partisan. Mm. The polarization Mm. of the United States and even of the Republican Party, that the effect of Donald Trump's rise in the party, rise to the presidency, which really has taken America, as Joe Biden suggested in a, a very good speech he made last week, into a very dangerous place. Mm. Yeah, I think that trend is happening and has been happening for a while and is continuing. And a related point that I think is very important for people to understand, Eamon, is alongside that polarization, there has been a change in the whole dynamic of how politics works here. So in a previous time, as senior people in the House of leadership, basically, in the House of Representatives, would be able to uh, quash rebels or to use its power to keep fringy people on the fringe. That has completely changed here. So if you think whether it's someone like Jim Jordan or or Matt Gates, for that matter, who's even further to the right than, than Jordan, they're What leadership can do to curb them is very limited because their constituency is not really within the halls of Congress. It's sort of Fox News and talk radio and the right-wing digital world and Steve Bannon's podcast and all of that. And those are uh, vectors by which they can advance over which the old establishment has no power, really. And that's one of the reasons why you see those people becoming not just so prominent but so powerful. Yes, and Gates in particular has been a thorn in everybody's side, really. Mm. He has now, in this instance, won what people are considering to be a considerable victory, at least in terms of exercising raw power. It was a stupid arrangement that Mike Kevin, as Donald Trump calls McCarthy, entered into in the first place because there was always someone going to put their hand up and it only required one for him to be decapitated. He is decapitated now. He's announced he won't be standing for re-election or fighting. And in fact, just as an aside almost, he immediately threw Nancy Pelosi, the former speaker, out of her new office, which is given to a former speaker, and she's out in the corridor somewhere, Kevin is ensconced in a big new office. But much more importantly, Gates has acquired now even more luster 
on the right-wing fringe, or what used to be the right-wing fringe. Yeah, he has, because he has done what he said he would do. That deal that you rightly uh, talked about in terms of the getting one person to file the motion to vacate, that was something that Gates had pursued back in January, knowing that it um, laid the groundwork for what eventually happened. Then, you know, more recently, um, Gates said that if McCarthy continued down a particular path that he indeed did pursue in terms of keeping the government open, that Gates would file that motion and that that'd be the end of McCarthy. And that's exactly what happened. Now, one of the reasons among many that Gates is so controversial even within his own party is the the whole way the maths works here is that those eight Republicans, because of course they were backed by all the Democrats, those eight Republicans chucked the Speaker out while 200 plus Republicans voted to keep him in. And yes. so that is a, a rather bizarre uh, dynamic or rather bizarre situation. And as you can imagine, not one that endears Mr. Gates to those 200 plus members. Now, we could talk in a moment, Niall, about the effect this could have negatively on the Republicans with their electorate. But as you say, there is power, Fox News and the talk radio and Steve Bannon. One of the sort of wrinkles in this, if you like, is that the vote now on, say, if there is a vote mm. next Wednesday, mm -hmm. the two candidates who may stand are our friend Jim Jordan, and there's another possible candidate as well, and I want to know about him because I don't know much about him. He's the House Majority Leader, mm -hmm. Steve Scalese. He's a Republican, mm -hmm. and it may be between them. Am I wrong or right? You're, you're, you're right with the exception that you've given Mr. Scalise a bit more of Italian, an Italianate last name than he actually uh, pronounces it. He just pronounces it Scalise rather than Scalese. Right. But he is indeed a House Majority Leader. He is therefore second in command to Kevin McCarthy, but he has somehow uh, avoided being seen as a minion of McCarthy. I think Scalise would be considered uh, a more conservative figure. He'd be sort of somewhere between McCarthy and Jordan. And one of the things that doomed Kevin McCarthy, aside from you know the, the minutiae of X, Y, or Z in terms of spending measures, was that the right didn't really trust him. And they didn't, as I think I said at the start, see McCarthy as one of them. Yes. I'm not sure that Matt Gates would see Steve Scalise as, as a like-minded yes. person, but I don't think the level of distrust is the same as it would be between uh, Gates and McCarthy, for example. So that may be enough to get uh, Scalise over the line. The um, One of the things that is... Uh, more somber but better known about Steve Scalise is that he was shot and quite badly injured when there was an attack on a uh, baseball or softball uh, uh, practice session back in 2017 and uh, was, uh, you know, somewhat badly uh, injured uh, but obviously um, survived. He now suffers from other health problems in that he's been um, treated for cancer. Um, but he he says he's feeling okay, and he hopes, of course, that that treatment will be successful. Right now, as I speak to you, it's not quite clear who the favorite would be between Scalise and Jim Jordan, or whether any third candidate or fourth candidate would emerge. But 
I think next week we'll see uh, a lot of uh, jockeying for position and we'll see what happens then. Yes. Now, the effect on the governance of the United States of Congress being effectively out of operation, how serious is it, Niall, because it isn't by any means certain that they'll agree on next Wednesday mm. on a successor to McCarthy. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the time is of the essence here, to use a, a, an old cliche. Um, the big picture is the deal that was arranged last weekend by McCarthy, which ultimately led to his decapitation, was a spending deal that uh, kept the government funded for about another 45 days, approximately. That, therefore, runs out, government funding runs out, on November the 17th. Yes. Um, so that's not that far away. Uh, it is anticipated that there would need to be a grand bargain arranged by then. And what we have at the moment is the House of Representatives burning a week off the clock, essentially, because the um, temporary speaker or caretaker speaker, a man by the name of Patrick McHenry, has no real power other than to facilitate the election of a new speaker. So uh, the clock is ticking. Um, if the government shut down, that would see things like public parks here being closed. Government workers would go without pay, although they would eventually get back pay once um, a deal was arrived at, and there'd be all sorts of knock-on effects. It is different from the United States defaulting on its debt, which would be more catastrophic and is a separate issue that often gets confused with a government shutdown. But a government shutdown is not a small thing, obviously. It's a a big thing, particularly domestically. Just before we move on now, is it conceivable that a future speaker would strike a deal such as McCarthy did where he can be brought down with one vote? You would think not, but you would also have to figure out how they get the votes without acceding to that demand because the the, uh, wriggle room here is very, very small. There are uh, around 221 Republicans in Congress at the moment, I believe, you need, uh, because there are two vacancies, 217 votes to be elected Speaker. So you don't need that many holdouts before you suddenly find yourself having to make very peculiar deals. So we'll see how much uh, candidates for Speaker are willing to give up in order to secure the support or the acquiescence of that right-wing rump. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, an interesting sidebar to this is that after January 6th, Kevin McCarthy stood up in the House of Congress and said that he would have nothing more to do with this outrageous character called Donald Trump. Mm. He was finished with him. One week later, he was in Mar-a-Lago kissing ass and seeking to make up, which Trump agreed mm. to. And he, he has more or less been, like many Republicans, an instrument of Trump. Now, when this erupted this threat to his speakership. Trump, of course, has businesses of his own in New York, which we'll come to in a moment. Hmm. When asked about Matt Gates's attempt to assassinate McCarthy's speakership, Donald Trump said, well, they're both good guys. I don't have any real preference. It, it is a good example, isn't it, of A, Kevin McCarthy's gutlessness, hmm. but most importantly, of Trump's obsession with his own business rather than any kind of loyalty mm. to his Kevin. Yeah, I mean, there's just an extraordinarily long list of people who have gone to great um, trouble, to great damage to their own reputations, I would say, to sort of comport themselves with Trump's wishes. And when it has come to the crunch, uh, he has not reciprocated that even in the least. A, a very famous uh, or infamous example is uh, our old friend Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of yes. New York City, yeah. who uh, really uh, incinerated his reputation with ludicrous claims around the 2020 election, was working for Trump uh, as a, an attorney by his, uh, by his own description at that time, and is now complaining that he has never been paid by the Donald or the Donald's people, or at least has a big outstanding bill from them. There are lots of people who have variations on that story. Uh, it is certainly the case that Donald Trump did not come uh, riding to the rescue of Kevin McCarthy. Of course, I think from Trump's perspective, he would think, well, Gates is even more uh, loyal to me or even more of an enthusiastic fan of mine. So why would I care? Uh, I mean, as we know, Mr. Trump has a very transactional view of life in general, never mind politics. And so he would think, well, it doesn't really matter to me what happens. So tough luck, my Kevin. Yes. I want to come to Trump and his trouble in New York for a moment. But mm. while 
were on the subject of Trump's character. I was very struck this week by a number of people. Mark Milley, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was just one person. But another chief of staff, a former chief of staff to Trump in the White House, his name was Kelly, the best and longest serving chief of staff and a very respected figure, did on the record make some very pointed remarks about Donald Trump's behavior in the White House and the danger he posed to the United States. And there are other people who are now beginning to come out as it appears more possible that Trump will be the next president. This is a visible sort of fear we're seeing here, isn't it, being expressed? It is, yeah. And those people have clearly very negative views of Trump. Mark Milley made some reference about how uh, people who serve the United States in whatever capacity uh, swear to uphold the Constitution. They do not swear loyalty to any wannabe dictator in his words. That's right. And it, it has to be said, and I didn't say it clearly enough last week, that Trump remarked about Mark Milley that what he had done, which was alerting China to the fact that the United States, despite Trump's blather, had no intention of attacking China. He said, in a, and, and I'm quoting him, that in a previous time, such a remark would have been punished by death. This was um, this is an incredible incitement to violence, given the story even you told us earlier on mm. about the Republican who was shot. Mm. Yeah, I, and uh, after which I believe Mark Milley, uh, uh, now I'm going from memory here, I think there were some reports that Milley himself had to uh, increase security around his, his yes. house. Uh, to be fair, and before any of your listeners jump, on us for not giving the full story. The shooting at the which injured Steve Scalise was from a left wing a person, a very extreme yes. left wing man. But nonetheless, yep. the the atmosphere is one that is yes. clearly very toxic. John Kelly, who you mentioned, who had served as uh, chief of staff to Trump at one point, um, to make a long story short, confirmed a series of deeply. Uh, unflattering would be almost too mild a word, stories about Trump in which uh, Trump was held to have in various ways uh, disparaged people who had served in the United States military. Now, I don't have the precise quotes in front well, of I, me. Well, I, I do but, because okay. I, were, I saw them and checked them last night. He, he When he went to France for the French centenary commemorations and he was asked to go to the military graveyard where Americans who had died during the Second World War are buried. And he did go. He looked at the graves and he told the people who were with him, and one of them I think was Kelly, Mm. that these guys were fools and suckers. Why did he die? What was in it for them? That's the exact quote. Mm. That is absolutely unbelievable. And there are many versions of that told by different people of him actually refusing to go and pay his respects to dead members of the forces, the armed forces in the United States, which, of course, they are really and traditionally have been revered by the people and particularly in public revered by the president. Absolutely. And the other very personal element in all this is that John Kelly himself had a son killed in action in Afghanistan. His son was a Marine 
who stepped on a landmine in 2010 and was killed. So for that, you know, for him to have either been witness to or heard those kind of comments from a then sitting president of the United States, it's not really surprising on a human level that John Kelly appears to hold Trump in some contempt. This is grave, isn't it, Niall? I mean, this is not something that one can excuse or explain or attribute in any normal way to a normal human being and to somebody who is favorite to be with the bookmakers, to be the next Mm. president of the United States because the candidate he'd be facing is very old Mm. and very frail. This is serious stuff. Just while we're on Trump, he's involved in a trial in New York where he has already been found guilty. It is a civil trial, not a criminal trial. He's been found guilty of fraud. He's, He's appealing it. The appeal is likely to take three months. And he has been attacking the judge and the attorney general in New York in the most disparaging way, using appalling language. And yesterday, the attorney general came out and she said, effectively, I will not be intimidated by former President Trump. The Donald Trump show is over. It was quite a dramatic way of putting it. It isn't over. As things get worse for him in the courts, we're getting a glimpse inside what is supposed to be the soul of a human being, and it's not very nice. No. I mean, certainly those attacks are quite extraordinary and would clearly draw sanction if any um, anonymous private citizen made such attacks on uh, a judge or the court or the attorney general or anyone else. The judge in the fraud case has, in fact, issued a, a de facto gag order against Trump, which Trump appears to be inclined to ignore. It does not appear to have curbed the attacks that you mentioned in any significant way at all. Um, the other point, I suppose, Eamon, is just, as you said, is a civil trial. So, you know, it's it's good to be clear about that. Uh, it's not a question of uh, Mr. Trump going to jail in this case, but the degree to which it shines a light on his business dealings and business practices is itself revealing, I would say, including... Sorry, just... I'm sorry to interrupt you so much. No, right his defense appears to be Look, everyone does it. Mm, more or less. Yeah, I mean, his defense is that some of these forms that he signed or that his representative signed had disclaimers attached, so it didn't really matter if it was untrue. Yeah. Uh, there's another case or there's another argument made by his legal team that, well, these things are all subjective anyway. The difficulty that the it's all subjective anyway stuff runs into is uh Elements that are just like not subjective at all, including the fact that he claimed his uh, penthouse in Trump Tower in New York was approximately three times as large as it actually is um, for the sake of uh, boosting up the, its value and therefore yeah, being able to. 10,000 square feet was the real number mm. on the form he gave to the bank mm. we, who he's seeking money from. He put 30,000. Exactly. He, I think, exactly. Said, doesn't, that, doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> Uh, anyway, just a final thought, Niall, your thought, not mine, because I've been interrupting you too much today. This is not funny, mm. is it? This is the United States in a deep crisis. If you're looking at it from Moscow or indeed from Beijing, you're 
absolutely gleeful because it looks like they're going to give up on Ukraine, which mm. is a victory for Putin. And were China to invade Taiwan anytime soon, and they may well decide to do so, I don't think the United States, could the United States, I should ask you, mm. could the United States summon up the required consensus to deter the Chinese? It's doubtful, I would say, at the moment, because of the divisions that we have been talking about. I think that is a really important point about how heartened and gleeful American adversaries would be, not just because of the Ukraine issue in isolation, though of course that's important, also because of the degree to which this toxicity in the political atmosphere of the United States is really having a sort of a paralyzing effect on its capacity to do anything very effective. And, you know, without starting us off into a whole new discussion at the end of this particular show, uh, Joe Biden's argument at the start of his presidency was that it, it behoves the United States to prove that democracy still works better than the more autocratic style of government that we see in China or Russia. And that argument becomes more difficult to make when, you know, the government is regularly on the brink of shutting down, when the population is at each other's throats, whenever a large, as we have said many times before, a large, large number of people on the Republican side do not believe that the incumbent president was legitimately elected. All of those things together, I think, would fuel the kind of glee that you're talking about. Okay, now, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Forgive me for talking too much. It's quite Thank nice you very much for joining us today from Washington. That's Niall Stanley, a brilliant journalist who has been the mainstay of this podcast. We're very proud to say since we began. We're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.